Welcome to Fresh Perspective, a podcast presented by Recycling Today. Fresh Perspective features young professionals in the scrap and recycling industry, offering insights from the next generation of industry leaders. Guests share their stories of what led them to the scrap industry and new ideas on industry trends. Tune in to hear stories from scrap processors, traders, operators, and more who are starting to lead in this space. Fresh Perspective is beginning an ongoing dialogue with future executives of the industry. Hi, my name is Megan Smalley, and I'm with the Recycling Today Media Group. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Tyler Adams, who is the Chief Operating Officer, SA Recycling. The company is headquartered in Orange, California, but its business certainly isn't limited to that region. SA Recycling oversees about 125 scrap facilities across the country. Tyler has been the Chief Operating Officer for the last five years, but he grew up in the family business and has seen the company go from just one facility to more than 100 today. So thanks for coming on the show today, Tyler. How's it going? It's going great, Megan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. It's great to have you as well. So tell me a little bit, what was it like growing up in the scrap industry and watching your father and grandfather run Adam Steel, which later became SA Recycling? You know, it was uh, obviously very exciting, very interesting. I had the opportunity of of watching him and and really the rest of his siblings develop and, and grow this business into into what it is today. So certainly learned a lot. You know, we spent summers uh, at the scrapyard. That's pretty much all we did. And uh, when we had free time, it was uh, we were at the yard and that was pretty much how how we grew up. Anyways, it's just kind of one of those things. And as many people in the industry, we just, you know, that's what you do. You grow up in the scrap world. Now, you say you grew up in the scrap world, but did you always intend to work for the family business and work alongside your father or was there other plans in mind for you? You know, I, I really never had the intentions of being in, in the scrap industry. It was always something that was somewhat interesting to me, obviously, having seen it most of my life uh, and worked in it. But it's not like it's something when you go to college, you, you, you dream about getting into scrap. After I had graduated, I, I spent you know a number of months traveling around and and um, seeing the world to some extent. And uh, once I was done, it was uh, basically uh, early 2009, about January or so. And uh, I I had moved back home and was uh, facing the harsh reality of needing to go find a job. And and at that point, we were at basically the peak of the the Great Recession. You know, I had to enter the workforce, and as I started looking around, I really didn't find anything that was exciting to me, and uh, somehow I just got sucked into the uh, into the scrapyard. So, uh, pretty much started there from the ground and relearning the, the scrap world. But it was really going to be a, a placeholder until I found something that was, you know, really of of peak interest to me. Well, that never really came. And uh, you, you, once you get started, it's it's pretty hard to get out. And uh, at that time, uh, the, the company was having a lot of issues uh, following the Great Recession. And um, so one thing led to the next and uh, never looked back. And uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun ever since. Got it. And what was it like for the business in the Great Recession? That was about a decade ago here. Um, what were some of the challenges that were going on within the company? 
I think at that point it was a it was a pretty big roller coaster, and uh, you know we had merged with Sims in creating the joint venture, which is now SA Recycling. Back in two thousand and seven, subsequently we we had acquired uh, Pacific Coast Recycling. Um, we saw obviously tremendous strength throughout the, the the market run up there, only to see you know it completely collapse from from underneath us, like many people. And uh, at that point, it was a matter of just trying to pick up the pieces and, uh, you know, identifying ways to reinvent um, ourselves and um, get creative to really reshape what, what the company was. A lot of right-sizing naturally, uh, as I think a lot of people saw, but um, that also created a lot of opportunity. And uh, those opportunities started to present themselves and, you know, really allowed us to come out that other side, a much stronger company. And uh, I think that's really the inception of, of what I think made us who we are today was our ability to, I think, recover from, you know, that economic crisis and really reestablish ourselves. That's definitely a challenging time to enter the workforce. So, you know, what were some lessons you learned those early years in the business? I think the probably the most important lesson I think I've learned really throughout then, but also my entire career is is purely the value of, of human capital. And as you know, our company has transformed over the past decade, it's become clearer and clearer just to me how valuable you know, the, the people that we have are. I think at this point we've built what I would consider, and naturally I'm a little biased, but what I would consider one of the strongest you know, scrap recycling teams in, in the country. And nothing that we do today is possible without the team that we have. And uh, just over the course of, of the past decade, we've been able to put people into place that have really taken so many uh, portions of our business units to, to the next level. And, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how we're able to grow and, and what really allows us to take on more operations. And the bottom line is that it's, it's the team that we have because, you know, once that team is established and in place, you know, we're pretty much moving on to the next uh, opportunity. The team we have now certainly wasn't the team we had back then, and uh, it's been a, a gradual transition over the course of that, that time frame. And, and um, as we acquire new businesses, we identify key talent that uh, we're able to put in place that um, really, um, you know, pretty much take the, the lead and, and run with it. Now, did anybody serve as a mentor to kind of teach you those lessons in the business? You know, I, I think like a lot of people in our industry, we probably look up to a number of different people. I've been fortunate enough to have uh, a a number of mentors, you know, much of which are my family uh, and my father in particular. But the former COO of our company, a a gentleman by the name of Jack Stutz, uh, whom I took over for, was really uh, one of my greatest mentors, uh, probably one of the the wisest and and most humble man that uh, I've I've ever worked for, and uh, really considered him almost like a second father and and taught me a lot about the business. And and I spent a lot of time working hand in hand with him. Uh, He came over to the scrap side of the business from uh, the steelmaking side, and he was the CEO of of Tam 
Namco Steel uh, at the time. And uh, so we started working together in Los Angeles and, and we would drive into downtown LA every day. And, and much of uh, my training was alongside his training in the sense that, you know, he hadn't spent that much time on the, on the scrap side of the business. So it created a, a unique opportunity where I was able to work very, very closely with him. Uh, and, you know, he had, you know, at the time, probably 50 or 60 years of, of scrap and, and steelmaking um experience. And so he's just been a, a phenomenal mentor for me. He still is, you know, active on our uh, executive team and uh, still participates. And uh, so anyways, I've been very blessed and fortunate to have someone like that. But certainly there, there are many more and probably would take me hours to go through them all. So SA Recycling, you know, it's a family business and it's grown significantly the last 20 years, particularly after that merger with Sims, like you mentioned, which was in the mid 2000s. What was it like watching your family's business grow just as you were entering the industry? You know, it's um, certainly been exciting, right? I, I don't know that any of it's ever really been overwhelming. Um, and uh, but it's it's always I don't know, it's kind of an area where I, I feel I thrive the best in is is action and uh, and change. And so for me, it's it's probably what's kept me so engaged and really drew me to the industry to begin with. You know, this is not a business that we just sit behind a desk all day. And, uh, you know, it's a business where we're out and about and we travel and, and we're, we're face to face with our customers and our employees on a daily basis. And so having that constant change and, and a constant drive forward and, and upwards is something that's, you know, really been... Um, been so and particularly exciting for me. Now with the company's expansions, what has been your role in all of that? So my, my you know, as I've, uh, I guess, gone down my, my career path, I've always been particularly involved with what I would consider our underperforming assets. Uh, and, you know, and again, going back to the early stages of my career, I would would just volunteer to go work at facilities that we would consider the underperformers, if you will. And that's really where we needed the most help. And uh, so I found it uh, an easy way for me to uh, branch out and try to make as big of a difference as possible. And so I kind of always just bounced around that way. Uh, that's how I ended up in, in downtown Los Angeles, managing uh, a lot of our Los Angeles operations, which at the time were we're struggling. And from there, I got involved in, in our Las Vegas operation because we were having issues there. I then got involved in our Arizona operations uh, after we had acquired those from Sims. And uh, I really just started bouncing around, focusing my efforts on, uh, again, just, just challenged business units. In 2015, again, the markets were, were, were certainly difficult, not nearly as difficult as, as maybe the Great Recession, but uh, nevertheless, when we had acquired uh, Newell Recycling in Atlanta, pretty much my task was the same. It was to, to go out and incorporate uh, the Newell Recycling assets of the Southeast into our business. And uh, so my wife and I moved out to, to Georgia. And, uh, and it was a great experience, but, you know, at the time the business climate was, uh, was very difficult. Uh, the market in 2015 had fallen 
twice, I think between 60 and $80 each time, and really put a lot of the domestic scrap companies into a, a pretty difficult time period. So um, fortunately, the markets had recovered relatively quickly going into 2016. And, uh, you know, our, our timing was, was great. But, you know, that's always kind of been my you know, really my, my task, if you will, was to really go and focus on either integrating the companies that we've acquired and or helping assist in, in flipping them or transitioning them, you know, to profitability. That is a unique and exciting role to have. Do you have any cool turnaround stories of maybe a facility that was underperforming and you turned it around or your team helped to turn it around? I think probably the the most exciting one would would have been the the Newell uh, acquisition, which you know we had just I was just talking about, but um, and and primarily because it really catalyzed our East Coast presence, and uh, you know at the time it was one of the larger acquisitions that we'd ever done. It was 17 facilities throughout uh, the Southeast, and was really just a, a dominant player in that marketplace. Um, you know, we we talk about timing, and and timing was certainly critical in, in that acquisition. Um, and uh, but we acquired just a tremendous team and some tremendous assets, and uh, and a bit of it was luck, and a bit of it was um, you know uh, a pure timing and integration but you know ultimately i think it's been a huge success story probably one of the best success stories that uh that really sa has in general and and not that i can take all the credit but at the end of the day it's been it was a pivotal time and a, and a pivotal acquisition for us because uh prior to that acquisition you know our farthest east operation would have been el paso texas and so it really kind of put us on the map in the Southeast and allowed us to bolt on in a number of directions. And uh, whereas to this day, you know, really our East Coast business is, is arguably larger and more successful than our West Coast business when uh, really only five years ago, we, were, we hardly had any presence out that way. That's awesome to hear just how that's grown and become a bigger presence. So obviously, SA Recycling has so many sites across the U.S., East Coast, West Coast, how do you keep consistency across the locations and how do you manage all the people? You know, it's a little bit of, of a playbook that we have. And, you know, we try to roll out that playbook anytime we step into a new market or step into a new business. You know, it starts with key management and identifying those managers and, you know, rolling out a program that gives the manager a bit of a vested interest in the performance of that unit. And by empowering those managers and um, and being fully transparent with them, and giving them the tools that they need to make the proper decisions, you know, really allows them to you know grab the bull by the horns and and run with it. And you know that doesn't mean that we always have the right manager in the right spot. Sometimes it takes some maneuvering, but you know ultimately, going back to my comment just about human capital is is really it all comes down to having the right people in the right places. And I tell uh, many of my people all the time that, you know, really, I work for them. And, uh, you know, my job is to give them the tools that they need to succeed. You know, I'm not here to tell them how to do their job or how to run their yard, because ultimately, I, I expect that they, they know how to run their yard, they likely know how to run it better than I do. What they need from me is to make sure that they have the tools, the information and the knowledge uh, required to make those decisions. For my people to, to succeed, 
they also need to have permission to fail. And that's always been a key, you know, management philosophy of mine is, is to make sure that, you know, that all of my people have the, the authority to make decisions and they might not always make the right decision, but that's really what's going to allow them to, to learn and to grow. And so, um, but we're consistent across the spectrum, you know, really everywhere we go with, it's the same philosophy. It's the same uh, type of structure. You know, all of my regional managers are expected to have the same type of philosophy and structure with their managers. And ultimately, you know, we have 125 managers across the country that, you know, that we're hoping and expecting to make decisions on their own and to rely on us for guidance and that authority. Uh, but ultimately, it's similar to what I would consider almost like a franchise model. But you keep the decision making at the at the local level and we run our company from from the bottom up and it's not from the top down. And I can't sit in an office uh, in, in orange and pretend like I need to make the pricing decisions or the Mac, the micro decision making decisions at at a small local level. Now, I'm also curious, how many SA recycling locations have you been to? Have you been to every single yard? I think there's probably less than five that I haven't been to. So I really try to make a point with, you know, any acquisition to either be there on the day we close and and take it live. If I can't, for whatever reason, be there at that time, and, and obviously in, in some of the larger acquisitions, I can't be everywhere at once. Um, but between my father and my brother, Calvin, you know, we'll oftentimes split up as we did with PSC. You know, I was in, in St. Louis when we went live. Uh, my father was in Ohio and Calvin was in Tennessee. And, you know, we try to get as much of that FaceTime and presence anytime we take a, a business live because, you know, we just feel that it's, it's really important and we want everybody to know that we're at their disposal and we're available to them. That sounds like a lot of travel, but exciting too. Now, speaking of acquisitions, you know, PSC was one of the most recent acquisitions that you mentioned. How did the company know that that was going to be a good fit? And how do you know whether an acquisition more generally is going to be a good fit? You know, you never really know. A lot of times there's, uh, you know, a a decent amount of of diligence and or previous knowledge about a certain entity that, you know, we just have in the marketplace. We look for, you know, synergies that any potential acquisition can bring to our existing business or, you know, whatever uh, our existing businesses can complement to those. And in PSC's case, for example, the the, the Tennessee region was exceptionally core to, to our South Southeast footprint. But a lot of it comes down to gut. And, you know, you, when you tour yard and, and you see either, you know, things that you can improve on or things that they're doing really well that you could bring into your existing operations, you never really know. Now, where do you see SA Recycling heading in the future? And what goals do you have for the business that you can speak to in your position at the company? So I think that the industry in general is is certainly headed towards further consolidation. I, th- I think we're seeing that a- across the spectrum. Um, you see most of the large scrap metal companies and or steel makers making moves uh, across the the country. I don't I don't see any reason that that would slow down. Uh, anytime you have a market run up like we've seen here, uh, although this one might even be the, uh, an unprecedented market run up. Uh, some would argue, 
But nevertheless, um, you know, people look to capitalize and they look for exit strategies after, you know, they post record earnings and, and record results. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people uh, for sale and, you know, people that are hitting the marketplace and, and looking to divest uh, as older generations are, you know, looking to retire and, and move on and, and relax. Uh, it's been a, a tumultuous decade. And, and so I think a lot of that generation is ready. You know, depending on on what type of succession plans they have and so forth, but um, we're we're seeing you know a, a lot of opportunities out there. I, I don't expect that that will slow down, and and I think you'll see a lot of people looking to tie up some of the most premier assets that maybe otherwise or previously weren't for sale. I don't think our strategy would be any different, right? I, I think we're going to see a, a continued. Uh, path towards growth. Uh, we've got a lot to digest. You know, last year was uh, the largest growth year we've ever had, uh, you know, as, as a company. Uh, we did, I think, 12 acquisitions last year, almost one a month, uh, every month leading up to PSC. So uh, it, was a, it was a busy year. We've got a lot to digest. The good news is we have a, a relatively quick metabolism and, uh, and we have an, an unsatiable hunger for scrapyards. So um, there's going to be, I think, a lot of opportunities on the horizon for us. And it's just going to be a function of uh, identifying, you know, back to your early point, the, the most opportunistic ones that, that fit our footprint and are really most accretive to um, really a long-term strategic vision that we have for the company overall. Got it. Now, aside from consolidation, like you mentioned, what do you see as some big issues impacting the scrap industry today? And why would you say those are some issues or trends? You know, I'd say the biggest challenges just in general, I mean, obviously there's logistics challenges, there's market challenges, there's labor force challenges. Um, that's not unique to, uh, to our industry. So, um, and they really go without saying, you know, uh, as we've seen for the past, you know, 12 to 18 months, those, those don't seem to be letting up. But again, not really unique to, to our industry. I, I think outside of those, uh, really the biggest challenge that, that I expect is, is really going to come more from an environmental, a regulatory standpoint. Uh, I think shredders across the country are under attack. And I'm not saying it's not justifiable because I, I think that really all shredders have an obligation to be better part better parts of their communities. And, you know, we have a responsibility as, as the recycling industry to improve people's perception of shredding facilities. And so I think over the course of the, the coming years, and, and that's something that we as an industry really need to continue to try to change. Um, we have to do better at, at minimizing fires and, um, you know, energy releases and pollution and contamination in our communities. And we need to get more involved in them. And we need to prove to our communities that we are a valuable part of them and that we create jobs and that we handle the, the waste products and the, and the recycling and the recyclables, excuse me, of their uh, respective communities. And ultimately, you know, this country needs shredders. Uh, but I think as an industry, I'm not certain that we've done a good, good enough job at convincing them um, why we are so critical to, to, um, to those communities. So, so I think that's going to be, you know, major challenge that we are going to have to overcome. You know, we'll continue to have targets on our backs if, uh, if we can't figure out how to be better, uh, better parts of our communities. That certainly sounds like something that other people have been telling us that there are environmental concerns with shredders, even if they are super clean, there's just a miscommunication about it. So 
how is SA Recycling communicating with communities that you work in on the environmental concerns surrounding shredders? And what should companies be telling their communities? There's obviously a, a wide array of problems that um, the communities see in and around our operations. And I think each one you know, requires uh, different handling. You know, anytime you're having fires in a community, there's not really anything you can do to defend yourself other than prevent the fires, right? And we see fires popping up all over the country. Uh, there's more and more batteries entering the recyclable stream. Uh, and, you know, they're very, very difficult to identify. At this point, it's not a function of if you have a fire, it's just when. I, I think where companies make the biggest mistakes is they're not adequately prepared to fight them. And in the event that they do happen, they have way too much inventory to control them. And so uh, ultimately, when those piles catch on fire, it just becomes catastrophic. And uh, sometimes they take days to put out. And so our you know, message uh, at all of our facilities is you shred to the ground every day and you never have a pile. And if for some reason you, know, you can't shred every day, you start making multiple piles. That way, anytime that there is a fire, it's, it's compatible. And, uh, and I think that's really the, the key function here. It will be impossible to completely eradicate or eliminate uh, the possibility of a fire. But what we need to do is, is make sure that a fire at its inception can get water on it within a matter of minutes. And if you can do that, you can keep the fires under control uh, to where you know, they don't become uh, your e evening headline news. Hiring is obviously very difficult, no matter what industry you're in right now. But aside from automation, how can the industry do a better job at recruiting people, retaining them and training them to stay in the scrap industry? I think some of, you know, some of our, our best and most talented managers, especially up and coming managers are, you know, are, are, are came from a uh, really a, a different career path that maybe they didn't expect to, to end up in the scrap recycling industry. I think we're seeing a lot of the younger generations out there uh, looking for uh, career paths that have more meaning and, and have more purpose, right? They're not looking just for straight compensation or a laid back work, work environment. I, I think you have um, these generations looking for more of that, um, you know, purposeful career path. And, and I think what we can do as an industry, and it goes along the lines of of being better parts of our communities and, and really highlighting the value that, that our industry brings. And, and it's around that. And, and I think that we need to target uh, younger talent with really the, the benefit that the recycling industry and in particular the scrap metal industry and what it brings to both to the environment and, uh, and, and to our local communities and, and the people that it helps, um, the employees that it employs, as well as uh, the customer base that rely on the recycling industry day in and day out to, to put food on, on their families' plates as well. And so, you know, when it comes to, to recruiting and, and, you know, bringing people here, I think that eliminating the reputation of, of you know, being the, you know, the, the classic junkyard type business really is, is very far from the truth. And what we're seeing today is, is really advanced um, organizations that are making the world a better place. And if we can highlight that and prove that to, you know, much of the people and, and, and the workforce that's, uh, that's maybe not familiar with it, I think we'll make some, some more headway at, at recruiting people to, um, to, to join the, uh, the space. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Tyler. It's been great having you. All right. Thanks, Megan. It was a pleasure.